Welcome to the To Our Gathered Catholic Podcast with Father Rob Kroll and me, Jim Fellows. Father Rob, how are you? Hey, Jim. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We're nearing the end of our semester here at St. Francis de Sales Seminary, and uh, overall, life is very good. How are you doing today? Doing good. good. Uh, Jen and I got our Christmas tree today. Oh, Excellent. Yeah, it was really exciting. We went to uh, St. Pascal's Catholic Church mm-hmm. on White Bear Avenue here in Minnesota. I'm not expecting you to go there because yeah, it's but a uh, hike. it just it was like three minutes. It just we walked up. And the guy's like, "You want a really good tree?" And he shows <laughs> us this nine footer. Wow! We're like, well, yeah. And awesome. he's, I'm like, "How much is it?" And he goes, 50 bucks." I'm like, "What?" So you know, we could do a whole podcast on the um, the. Fake versus real tree debate. You we know? could, you boy, we could. We, we, might, but, we, we might get people really riled up, though. So the first Christmas that Jen and I had together um, was the first time that she had picked up a, a real Christmas tree. Okay. And um, so we bring it in the house, we set it up, and she's like, well, you got to watch. Back then I had a, a Aussie, an Australian Shepherd named Kodiak. Uh-huh. And she's like, well, watch Cody because... I don't want him peeing on the tree. I'm like, and I, I got totally offended. I was like, my dog is a very well trained dog, mm-hmm. and there's absolutely no chance that he's gonna he's peeing on the tree. Right oh now. no, <laughs> shoot! Oh. Well, we always had real trees growing up, and we had cats, and so the cats we we could never really hang, uh, especially the the glass ornaments on the bottom because right. the cats loved to bat those around, and it was kind of cute. Sometimes the cats would get up. You know, kind of in the branches there, but eventually Were we switched over. they knock the tree over? No, no, they weren't that. They weren't that rowdy. No, they. Yeah, but um, but I did love. I did love the real tree. Eventually, we got an artificial, and you know now they make them where you can hardly tell the difference. And then my mom would put these little felt pieces, tuck them, like hide them in the branches, and they had been soaked in pine scent. And so I mean, wow. you know, but it's still not quite the same as having no, the real deal. Really. I got the guy uh, cut the the end of the trunk off, mm-hmm. and then he took the little stump and he he's like, "This is what's gonna smell like," and he like shoves it in my face. <laughs> I was like, "Well, that smells good. That was unexpected. Right, right. Um, that was a little bonus for whatever you paid." Really good guys, though. I mean, oh, okay. this is just a such a positive experience. So, speaking of good guys. Um, I was, unless there's more that you want to talk about with no. the tree thing. Nope. Um, so I was at my men's group on Tuesday and, and one of the guys, uh, brings up, uh, we're talking about leadership and one of the guys brings up, uh, one of the podcasts that we did and what he was, he says, yeah, you guys started talking about, it was something you brought up by the way. He goes, but I've been thinking about this all the time since then. And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. If it's Father Rob. He says really deep things. Um, and then we started talking about it. And then one of the other guys, I don't know if I should use their names or not. Um, I, let's call him Vlad. Oh, so Vlad um, says that admits to the fact that he's like, you know what, Jim? He goes, I like your podcast. But uh, when you start talking, um, I speed it up to uh, one and a half. <laughs> and the guy sitting next to him is like, sometimes I do twice the speed oh no like, really well you wow. drone a little bit jim I'm like <laughs> does that make you sound like one of the chipmunks or, or what don't no now i just want to be like welcome <laughs> to the two are gathered <laughs> podcast 
<laughs> just to mess with them. Right. So I'm gonna try right. not to oh. not to drone. Although Vlad did say that he uh, <laughs> really liked our intro, so that made me. Hey, smile. well then, you, and you're fully responsible for that. So thank you for doing I that. I did. I wrote. By it the way, here's a fun fact. It. You know that the original Dracula was named for or patterned after a guy named Vlad the Impaler, who apparently yeah. was a yeah medieval Romanian. Who okay, you knew that already. I did. Yeah, you're, you, I can't well, get anything by you. Or I, I never teach you anything. You're so knowledgeable. It's an interesting history with. Uh, uh, it is because some of the people see him as a huge hero, and some people see him as this horrible this person. Villain, yeah. Well, we've managed uh, to takes, waste the first five minutes of our podcast. Yes, not waste, we did, but I mean, well, no, it's been lovely. We haven't really gotten to our topic. Yet. No, so let's not have me drone. No. anymore. Right. Um, we did. We just covered five minutes. What? Uh, what do you want to talk about this week, Riley? <laughs> well, you and I thought it might be good to address the issue of our Blessed Mother Mary because uh, we're in Advent and it's uh, a time when we're especially cognizant of Mary and her role in salvation. And we're also coming up on some Marian feasts like the Immaculate Conception on December 8th and Our yeah. Lady of Guadalupe on December 12th. So we thought it would be appropriate to talk about who Mary is and how she can help us. So there you go. Yeah. Um, what's, uh, hold on, it's just, December 8th is what day next week? Uh, next to look at my Tuesday. Kid. Next Tuesday. Oh, so that's when our podcast is going to come out. So it's going to come go. out on Perfectly timed. Uh, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. Mm-hmm. There's some misconceptions about the Immaculate Conception. Is that <laughs> a little play on words It there? is. I like that. <laughs> Yes. Well, some people don't realize that it's actually about Mary being conceived without sin. Uh, some people think it has to do with uh, Jesus himself, but of course, he's God, so obviously he is without sin. But yeah, the Immaculate Conception is a, a doctrine or dogma that proclaims that uh, Mary was preserved from original sin, and uh, that's in view of her role as uh, as the mother of God, as the one who bears uh, Jesus within her and gives birth to him. So, um, yep, that's what it's all about. And there are other Catholic beliefs uh, kind of related to that. Um, well, let's let's focus on the misconception thing a little that. bit, yeah. for just for a second, because I've got way too many stories. I remember as a kid, <laughs> I was in high school, and um, I was at Mass with uh, my dad and my stepmom, and we were at Feast of the Immaculate Conception. Mm-hmm. And Dad's like, he wasn't he, he wasn't even Catholic at the time. He's like, well, what's this all about? And my stepmom goes into this really well-thought-out, <laughs> you know, just a, a, I think it was like scripturally based. I mean, just all this stuff about the conception of Jesus and how we celebrate that. And, and she gets done, and I was like, well, that was that was that was nice. It's a hundred percent wrong, but that was nice. And well, <laughs> but she was like, you totally know, convinced. Her whole, she was Catholic her whole life, yeah. and she, mm-hmm. she believed that. Yeah. I was. I, I got a. Uh, somebody sent me a video of a group of nuns singing at mass, and they were singing "Mary, Did You Know" at the <laughs> Feast of Immaculate Conception, and I was like, um. <laughs> Okay, uh, that's uh, not going to help 
things get less confusing. Yeah. They did a lovely job, and I like the song a lot. I, I do, but... too, actually. I don't know if our listeners know what it is, but uh, it is a very yeah, nice song. They, should, they ought to play it, you know, on their own. Yeah, well, there's a Kenny Rogers version. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Oh, my gosh, yeah, it's great. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was... Uh, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the immaculate conception of the Blessed Mother—that's uh, that's the reason for the day. Um, and, and you know, there's a beautiful uh, basilica shrine in Washington D.C. That's ginormous. It's one of the largest churches in North America, and uh, it is dedicated to the immaculate conception. And so, um, when I was a student there on a couple of different occasions in D.C., <coughs> excuse me, I had the opportunity to to go visit it. And there's lots of uh, little chapels and shrines uh, dedicated to our Blessed Mother. So if people ever travel to D.C., it's worth checking out. It's pretty. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it. <coughs> I've been Excuse to me. D.C. a bunch of times, so I've, I've never thought about going there. Oh, really? That yeah, was, I you said yeah. Blessed Mother. It's right on the campus of uh, Catholic University of America. Okay. So um, the other thing that's uh, interesting, people... Um, you know, people who are critical of the Catholic Church, who are not Catholic, obviously, mm-hmm. well, some are Catholic and critical, right. um, which is fine too, but uh, have a problem with uh, papal infallibility, you, but believing, mi- misunderstanding the idea that anything that might come out of the Pope's mouth has to be considered as truth right. and infallible, which that's not the case. No. And, and it, the, the only. Two times that a pope has declared papal infallibility or, ex- or declared something as ex cathedra right. um, from the chair from the chair in, from the chair of Peter um, without you know technically any other people chiming in, which isn't true. Um, is both of them? There was only two times in history that it's been done. Both of them had to do. With the Blessed Mother, mm-hmm. exactly. one being uh, uh, her Immaculate Conception, and the other one being the Assumption of Mary into Heaven. Yep, exactly. And those are kind of related because the reason why Mary, we believe as Catholics, that she was assumed or taken up into heaven, uh, body and soul, without having uh, gone through death and, and the decay of her body, is precisely because she was immaculately conceived. So. We believe that the reason why we die and that our bodies decay and death is because of sin, original sin and, and our own personal sin. But to the extent that Mary was without sin, she did not go through that. So we talk about, usually we talk about her dormition, the idea being that she somehow at the end of her earthly pilgrimage fell asleep in some way and then was, was taken uh, into heaven, body and soul. So right. uh, anyway, but yep, you're right. Those are two infallible uh, Ex cathedra statements, and you're right; they both have to do with our Blessed Mother. It's my understanding that uh, Pope Pius the Ninth and the Magisterium were in uh, were having a huge discussion mm-hmm. about whether to accept the Immaculate Conception okay. of Mary as dogma or or not. Right, and and there was a lot of p- people on both sides of the issue, and finally, uh, Pope Pius said to his bishops, "Go out and ask the people." what they think. Mm-hmm. And um, the bishops went out and they talked to the people in their congregations and they all, the vast majority of them came back and said, well, yes, we, we, we think that the, the Immaculate Conception happened and, and we believe that mm-hmm. to be dogmatic. And, and cool. after that point, 
is when Pope Pius declared. I mean, and that goes to show two things. One, uh, the importance of Mary in our, um, our, our Catholic faith. Right. But also the fact that when things are declared ex cathedra, it's, you know, there's more to it than the Pope just sitting around thinking, you know what, I'm going to, I'm just going to make this infallible today. Right. It, he doesn't it, just kind of wake never up. Happens. No. I mean, he doesn't just sort of wake up one morning and, and have this like, you know, divinely revealed thing. It's something that kind of bubbles up from the faith of the people. You know, we talk about the sensum fidei, the kind of the Sensus faith of the fidelum. people. Yeah, right. And, and, and so I think that's, you know, that's really important to know, too, that um, uh, we have usually many centuries of belief about something before it actually gets, uh, you know, kind of codified or officially, you know, rubber stamped, as it were. But uh, it's not that the popes just think of these things on their own, but they're, they're usually confirming something that's been believed, uh, well, really from the beginning or from the early days of the church. So, Well, yeah, and the census fidelum is, is just, um, de- it's a declarative statement saying that the Holy Spirit works through right. lay people as well as um, the religious. Exactly. It's, it's, it, it doesn't, you know, it works with everybody, mm-hmm. which is cool. Yep, yep, totally. That's a cool thing. So, okay, uh, but, uh, but, you know, why, 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 would, uh, why would we consider Mary to be important here, Father? If somebody was to come up to you and be like, yeah, why, why is Mary so important? Mm-hmm. She's, I'm sure she's nice, but... Uh, right. Isn't it just all about Jesus? Shouldn't we just focus on Jesus? Yeah, it's a good good question, and it's one that I think a lot of non-Catholics, uh, you know, they do maybe critique Catholics for our belief in, in, you know, these various Marian dogmas. And, and I mean, I can see where, from the outside, too, it may look like we um, elevate Mary beyond what, uh, you know, would seem to be appropriate. I mean, some people joke about the fact that Catholics make Mary kind of the fourth person of the Trinity. And granted, she's sinless, but she's not God. We don't, you know, in any way... Uh, put her on the same level of God, but we do, we do as Catholics um, uh, venerate her and 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 put her on a very exalted level uh, because of, you know, the fact that she more than any other human being uh, responded to God fully with her whole being and and uh, her you know we talk about her fiat or her yes to uh, the Lord's invitation and there's a great mystery there because on the one hand. Uh, she had to say a real yes. She had to, you know, use her freedom to accept Angel Gabriel's um, invitation to become the mother of God. So she wasn't coerced or forced into that role. But at the same time, her yes, while it was free, it was also inspired by grace and kind of elicited through um, through God's grace too. So she had to, you know, cooperate with with uh, with divine grace. So anyway, I think one of the reasons we do. Um, exalt her and look to her as Catholics is because um, she did, you know, conceive and bear Jesus within her, gave birth to Jesus, the Son of God, and and then also had a huge influence on him as his earthly mother, as did St. Joseph, as his earthly father. So we, we uh, you know, venerate uh, both of them and uh, give them much dignity because of the role that they played in the life of our, our Lord and our Savior. Um, and then there's also a lot of different virtues that we tend to associate with Mary that, you know, as we try to grow in holiness, we're trying to emulate or imitate certain attitudes and um, 
postures, you know, that Mary adopted. So, you know, those are some of the reasons why I think we we uh, put a lot of emphasis on her. So the response that I give when people hit me up with the, uh, well, I just, I just focus on Jesus, yeah. which I'm, you know, it's like, okay, that's fine. That's, he's, he, that's, if you're going to focus, <laughs> that, that's a good place to focus. Right. But then, you know, I'll, I'll ask them, and these are all adults that I'm talking to. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you're, if you're going home for Christmas, um, is your attitude like, you know, I'm just going to focus on my dad this trip? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to have a relationship with the rest of your family? And, and the point being that, you know, we can be in relationship with, with more than just Christ. And I, I mean, and, and people are like, well, it's, it's, it's wrong to... And I, and, I, and I would pose the question, like, if some father, if somebody, you're, you're close to your mom, right, mm-hmm. father? Yeah. Yes. And if, if somebody came along, like if I came along and I was uh, driving through Milwaukee and I stopped by your mom's place and I brought her flowers, mm-hmm. would your reaction be like, well, why didn't fellas bring me flowers? What the heck? Why is he bringing it to my mom? Would, would that be your reaction? Or would you be like, wow, that's really cool. That Jim did something nice for my mom. I would be deeply touched, right? Because I love my mom and, and uh, she's important to me. And so anybody who treats her with respect and kindness, and, and that's, that's wonderful. I feel good For about all that. practical purposes, why wouldn't Christ have the same reaction? I agree. I think he, he definitely loves when we love his mother, just like yeah. he, he loves her. Yeah, I, th- I, can, I think some people feel that because Jesus is, you know, um, God in the flesh, and he is the Lord and Savior, you're right, that somehow Mary is like a competitor, you know, that somehow she distracts our gaze from Jesus when... Really, it's just the opposite. All she wants to do is point us to Jesus, and all he wants us to do is to love his mother the way he does. So, yeah, it's like it's like two for the price of one. That sounds kind of cheap, but why not? Why not? You know, enlarge and expand um, our understanding. Just as God Himself is a Trinity, uh, a, a community of loving persons. You know, we can expand that to include expand heaven to include all the saints, and the greatest of the saints is Mary. So none of you know it's not a competition. Um, they they help us. Each of them helps us in our own in their own way. You know. So yeah. No, I think I like your analogy a lot though, because yeah, just as we don't we don't um, see our you know loving our earthly mother as a distraction from loving our earthly dad or or God, uh, likewise loving Mary and and being devoted to her, it only increases really our um, our love for Jesus because of of who she is. I love, you know, Thomas Merton once uh, wrote that Mary's kind of like a, a very pure, undefiled pane of glass. And when you, when you look out the window to see something, um, if the window is really smudgy and dirty or cracked, like you get distracted by the window and you kind of lose your focus. But when the window is, is really crystal clear and very clean, you don't even really notice the window. Your gaze naturally goes out beyond the window to whatever it is that you want to behold out there. And that's how Mary is. You know, she's so pure, she's so holy that really she doesn't want us to get kind of quote-unquote stuck on her. She wants to just help us to see um, Jesus better and to know and love him more. So she's, she's very happy to... That's one of her virtues is that she's kind of 
humble that way. She she doesn't really want to draw attention to herself. And in the in the Gospels, she doesn't. Uh, she says very little. Um, she's always kind of, um, you know, she says at the wedding of Cana, do whatever he tells you, you know. So she's, she's, all, she's all about her son. Well, and, and uh, Pope John Paul II uh, was a huge uh, promoter of, of mm-hmm. a devotion towards oh, yeah. the Blessed Mother. I mean, it was his Had statement, um, totus, what was it, totus, totus tuus, tuus. Mm-hmm. Um, all, which all translated into... Um, well, I mean, the the essential message that he was giving, I don't know if that translates into this. But, everything is yours, uh, yeah. Oh, everything is yours. But um, but he was also like a big proponent of um, through Jesus, uh, through Mary, oh. uh, to Jesus through Mary. Yeah, and that's on his, uh, that's part of his papal crest or shield. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's right. And I think that one, if it's done authentically, it can, and like, as our consecration to St. Joseph, um, it can only bring us closer to Christ. Yep. It, exactly. if, if, it, if we're authentic in our, in our goals. And there are, when you start talking about Joseph and you talk about Mary, there are different qualities that I can, I can sense coming through uh, and it'd be like, well, that's I, that feels like Saint Joseph is influencing mm-hmm. right now, and it, and and these might be like protecting my family, or taking care of my wife, mm-hmm. or or providing for them, or working hard, those kind of things. And then the other things that uh, I would attribute to the Blessed Mother would be more of, you know, having a really hard day, and maybe you know, having a moment where I'm feeling nurtured mm-hmm. or you mm-hmm. know being cared for sure and not to say that saint joseph isn't like you know i don't see saint joseph out there like you know just rub some dirt into it and get up and go to get back to work but um <laughs> but there are different um there are different qualities i think from both of them that we can be drawn to and all of those qualities draw us closer to christ right yeah well said well said i think joseph and mary both uh want nothing more than to deepen our friendship with with Christ. But like you said, they're, I mean, they, they help us through not only their, inter, their intercession, which is obviously very powerful, but also um, through just being present to us in a, you know, like you said, with the Blessed Virgin Mary, maybe in a more comforting, uh, nurturing way, and with, at least for us who are guys, and, and for Joseph, you know, maybe more of a, there's a certain masculine, uh, you know, disposition there that can be helpful um, for us too. So, yeah, each one in their own way uh, contributes to that walk with Christ. What are some things in particular that you, like when you think about Mary, like what are some ways, I mean, you mentioned already that there's a nurturing dimension, but right. are there particular like qualities or, or virtues or things that you see about her life that can kind of inspire us as Christians in our in our own earthly pilgrimage? Well, I think that if you take a look at what uh, the, the love and the care that a mother would, would give to a child, mm-hmm. and, and that's something that nobody ever outgrows. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you just, you, you never um, get to a point where you're like, nah, I'm okay with that. Right, mom. right, exactly. And, and, and on, the, uh, on the flip side, along with, I don't want to lose this point because I always forget stuff. Um, like I've had friends that I've known who, 
either had a really poor experience with their father mm-hmm. or didn't have a father at all. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you, you should consider doing a consecration to St. Joseph and, 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 and building that relationship and allowing him to be your spiritual father. Yep. And it's paid off huge dividends to these guys. It's paid yep. off huge dividends to me. And I would suggest the same thing if you've had, if you haven't had a relationship with your mom or if you have a poor relationship with your mom, and mm-hmm. a lot of people have that, yep. then, then maybe um, take, take some time. There, 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 you went through the consecration to Mary, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I did. What was the book? Uh, it was by Father Donald Calloway. Um, oh, it was a Calloway book? Okay. I think. Well, wait, to St. Joseph you said, right? No, 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 to oh. St. Mary. You, you did oh, I'm the, sorry. The, no, no, the, I did the I did, other. Yeah, I did the Father Michael Gately um, there you go. one. Right, 33 Days to Glory. So I, I right. haven't done the Louis de Montfort consecration, which is the more traditional. That's a really good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that actually, really gets you consecrated. I know there are a number of seminarians that have done that and, and really, um, really value it, so... So somebody told me that I need to be less sarcastic, and I just blew it. <laughs> oh, I didn't. I, it went right over my head. I missed it. <laughs> okay. I was suggesting one consecration was better than the other. Oh, okay. Well, uh, to each his own. To each his own. <laughs> so, um, what else? We would, uh, what are some attributes that you would put in there? Because I don't know if I did a very good job. Well, let's see. I think when I think about my relationship with uh, Mary, I think about, um, you know, one thing would be like her purity. I think the fact that, you know, she is um, somebody who loved in a very pure way. And, you know, I think that uh, in our fallenness, we know how sometimes our, our um, you know, desires for others can get kind of distorted or skewed. And so I think she's a good reminder to me about how to love other people well, how to love them, you know, with, with the heart of Christ and to love them purely. So that's one virtue I really admire about her. And I think, you know, definitely her humility. I mean, we're talking about today in the podcast, how exalted she is as being, you know, the mother of God and being sinless and all that's true. But one of the things that makes her so exalted and such a wonderful mother for us is is her great humility. Um, you know, as we've been saying, she doesn't really want us to focus so much on her, but she wants to always direct us toward her son. Um, and so I think her, along with her humility, I would say her obedience. You know, I have a vow of obedience, but even if you don't have a vow of obedience, we're all called to be obedient to God, obedient to Christ. And so I think uh, the fact that she you know, does the Lord's will uh, so fully and completely is a beautiful thing about her. So those would be some, yeah, I guess some virtues or some qualities that speak to me uh, about her. Um, yeah. But it's also interesting that the um, the Marian apparition sites that we've had mm-hmm. that have been approved of by the church, um, we, have, we have Lourdes, we have Fatima, Mm-hmm. Um, and this, and and then, uh, what's the one in Milwaukee? Uh, near Milwaukee in Green near Bay. Near Milwaukee, yeah. Uh, Our Lady of Good Help. So an apparition from 1859, and in fact, it's only, uh, or it's the only apparition that's been approved in the United States. And so in recent years, it's it's gotten more pilgrims, and they've kind of expanded the shrine. But um, 
Yeah, she appeared to a woman named Adele Breeze way back in uh, 1859, and and um, so that it's kind of neat to have that in my own backyard, as it were, and. And of course, just south of us in Mexico, we have Our Lady of Guadalupe, which was right. One of I popular. forgot about that one. Yeah, so that's that goes back story. to fifteen thirty-one. Right, that that's it is a very amazing story. So um, yeah, it's kind of neat. We were saying before the podcast began how it's kind of neat that a number of countries have kind of their own Marian apparition to point to. You know, so like those of us of Irish extraction will maybe have heard of Our Lady of Knock. Right, uh, and then. Uh, uh, there's a Vietnamese apparition, Our Lady of La Vang. A, a cool one that's more recent, it was from the 1980s, is Our Lady of Kibeho uh, in Rwanda. And that's kind of become more popular and well-known because of um, a book by Immaculate Ili Bagiza, who's a beautiful Catholic woman that survived the whole um, kind of the Tutsi, Hutu um, fighting that went on uh, in the country. And so, yeah, all around the world, Mary has appeared, and, and she'll often appear in even tradition, like in Guadalupe, she's wearing kind of indigenous clothing, and, and so she kind of adapts herself, as it were, to the, to the local people, which, is, which, again, is a great sign of her love for, it's not one size fits all, but she uh, wants to be very much a mother to uh, people in, in their respective cultures and countries. Well, and but the the interesting point, and then you know, um, it, I've been to Medjugorje a couple of times, yeah. and and uh, I a hundred percent believe that that uh, that the Blessed Mother has appeared there, mm-hmm. and the commission uh, that studied it for quite a few years uh, has recommended that the first seven apparitions. Uh, be considered valid by the, mm. by the church. Mm-hmm. I don't know how far it's gone since then, but um, they're allowing uh, they're allowing uh, pilgrimages uh, to Medjugorje. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, Pope Francis so, approved uh, pilgrimages there right. officially in, in 2019 last year. So that's you know that's good. And we can talk about you know maybe we can have an episode where we talk about Medjugorje a little bit because mm. it's pretty controversial and, yeah. and there's there's some pretty strong opinions on both sides. Right, but um, the point, the overarching point that I'm trying to make with all of these apparitions is that our Blessed Mother is actively, every single one, she's actively trying to draw people back to Christ. Right, and she's trying right. to help people to heal mm-hmm. and, 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 and lessen the burdens in their life. And I don't know of any other saint that has dedicated so much time to try to do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I haven't studied all of these apparitions in detail, but I would say that from what I know, the uh, the content of the apparitions is is surprisingly similar. I mean, she's yes. always calling us back to, you know, conversion, to repent from sin, and to, yeah, like you said, basically uh, come back to her son. And uh, so there's a real consistency of message there. And, and I know that sometimes, depending on the apparition, the messages can get a bit like apocalyptic or, you know, they can kind of frighten people. But, but the basic message is one of hope, and that is, you know, turn back to Jesus and, and all will be well. And even if the world, I mean, the world at some point has to come to an end, and however that happens, even if it involves some trauma, um, we're going to be okay if we're, if we're in a good friendship with, with our Lord, with her son. Right. 
Um, I don't think that you can go wrong having a, a certain devotion towards uh, the Blessed Mother. I think that's there's only an upside to that. Well, and, and I think one of the things you know we haven't talked about yet, but we should mention too, is how much we as Catholics um, value the Rosary as a prayer, that a right. devotion that that connects us with our Blessed Mother. Because as we pray, all of those Hail Marys, I mean, we're invoking her. So it's a it's a form of prayer that both um, asks for her intercession, but also leads us to meditate on on mysteries related to her life, you know, and of course the life of her son as well. But uh, yeah, just an encouragement to people who may be listening that if they don't pray That's the rosary. That's a podcast. Huh? We got to talk about the rosary in a yeah. podcast. Oh, yeah. We absolutely yeah. have to. Sure, definitely. That, that is, more than one person has declared this as the most powerful weapon mm-hmm. in our arsenal. Mm-hmm. Weapon is an interesting choice of words. <laughs> it is, but we are it in a really battle. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, we enter into this uh, kind of time of waiting with Mary, who, of course, uh, um, you know, had to carry Jesus for nine months within her. So there was a there's an element of her own anticipation of his arrival in the world, and and so yeah, I think you're right. I think Advent is a very kind of Marian time, not only because of these Marian feasts that we already mentioned, but just the whole the whole thing is geared towards welcoming uh, Jesus into like kind of making more room in the inn of our own hearts and our own souls for him. So, so again, staying very close to Mary can only help us to make Christmas uh, more joyful and more meaningful. All right, well said. All right, well, where could we... All right. Uh, yeah, I think we've done well. Yeah, I think we covered it. Yeah. Um, and I, I hopefully I didn't drone too much. No, I don't think you were droning. Was I droning? No. And it was, uh, I, I got sarcastic. And we didn't get well, but we toned it down. We did tone it bit. down. I apologize for it. <laughs> so stuff that we like. <laughs> That's, I thought you were going to find a new name for that segment. Um, I'm time. waiting. If somebody wants to email me a suggestion <laughs> at mail at to our gather.com. We got our own. Nobody's nobody's emailed us. <laughs> That's okay. There's always uh, hope. <laughs> Maybe I know they're downloading us, but nobody wants to email us. Which is <laughs> That's fine. People are busy. Um, so stuff that we like. Um, Advent. We're in Advent. Uh, Christmas is approaching. Um, I have. I, I have. Um, I wear many hats in my professional life. <laughs> And one of them, I have a, uh, a company with my partner um, where we are helping uh, groups that produce really incredible Christmas music um, to stream because mm-hmm. a lot of them don't know how to stream, and apparently we do. So um, if you are a streaming kind of folk, uh, if, if you like, if you use Apple or you use Spotify and forget about Pandora because they don't pay anything. But um, they don't pay anything to the artists, I nah. should say. But this is a these are free services that you can you can uh, jump on. Um, I have three artists with incredible Christmas music. One is a, a gentleman named Billy McLaughlin, who at one point in his career was uh, considered the best acoustic guitarist in the world. Yikes. Um, and he's got an album uh, called uh, Winter Songs and Traditions that is one of the most popular Christmas. It's all guitar. Ooh. It's beautiful instrumental stuff. 
Um, it's covers of, of various uh, 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 Christmas songs, but then he also has a few uh, uh, things that he's written. Um, and then his group uh, is called Simple Gifts, all one word. Um, he has developed this, this group about 10 years ago, and he's done completely new arrangements of, uh, of uh, Christmas uh, anthems, um, things that standards, and um, it's very Irish, it's very Scottish, hmm. um, it's all acoustic. It's they got these three women who sing like angels. Wow! It's they have like eight albums. You can find Simple Gifts, um, Billy McLaughlin, and then the third would be um, a, a, a gentleman that I met a year ago, who's a brilliant guitarist. And I talked him into creating a, a Christmas album because I thought that he would do a wonderful job with it, and I'm really happy that I was correct on that. Um, but his name is Doug Young, and his album is called Forever Christmas. And all of these groups, and I'll leave links in our descriptor, mm -hmm. our description box, but uh, all of these can be found on Spotify for free. Cool. If you have an Apple account, you can find it there for free. Um, it's, uh, if you're looking for stuff to playlist them and then, you know, play them on Christmas or play them up to Christmas, just play them as much as you want. So there is our stuff that I like this week or we awesome. like, mm -hmm. um, well, I, I probably will like them. I haven't really listened to them yet, but I'm grateful that you are sharing the wealth with all of us. You're yeah, not going to uh, add yourself as one of the, I'm not, uh, I haven't, awesome I haven't, I haven't recorded anything, but thank you. That's sweet. Um, I am, but I don't have anything recorded that I've uh, produced or mm. put out there for public consumption okay. yet. Although there have been a, a more than a few suggestions that I do so, yeah. and then at some point that may, might make stuff that I like as well. But <laughs> it's Christmas, and the, these are really three okay. amazing Christmas. I mean, if you're tired of like the schmaltzy stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, there's nothing schmaltzy about either okay. any of these three groups. Okay. Awesome. Well, Should we pray? Let's do that, Jim. All right. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. So, Heavenly Father, Jesus, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for being with us during this podcast, and we ask you that during this Advent season, this holy time of year, we might indeed make more room in the inn of our own hearts for the coming of Jesus. We ask uh, you, Blessed Mother, to pray for us and to help us on our earthly journey. Uh, be always for us a model, an exemplar of those virtues of holiness uh, that we need uh, to reach heaven. And through your powerful intercession, may we uh, conceive, as you did in our hearts, uh, the Word of God and share him with those around us in our lives. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Good Jim. Job. All right. Same to you. We look forward to the next one. Yeah. Thanks for listening, folks. Uh, we will see you next week. Take care. God bless. Bye-bye. God rest you.